Blog Talk Radio. It's the talk with my good Hey everybody, yes it's me, Micah, M-I-C-A-H, and I am back, but honestly don't know for how long, <laughs> but I am back with another episode and another interview. Uh, for those that appreciate the platform and love the content that I provide, when I provide it, if you have any show ideas, and I do mean any, please email me at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com, that's again, thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com, or you may inbox me on Facebook, Micah Pierce, M-I-C-A-H-P-I-E-R-C-E. And no, you do not have to be my friend or do so, okay? Uh, recently, I actually started a YouTube channel. Yes, child, I'm on YouTube, honey. You can search me on YouTube at Micah Pierce TV. Um, so there, I intend to have some great content for you as well. Um, it's more personal, but it's some great content. Um, I've truly been booked and busy, but I promise you, if nothing else, I will be focusing more on that platform, okay? So please be on the lookout. Now, tonight, we have the reigning Miss Continental Plus. She's going to be sitting down with me as she is nearing the end of her lovely reign, and I'm so excited about this interview and what's to come from Miss Cheyenne Valentino. So after we finish all these announcements and these advertisements, we'll be back with Miss Continental Plus 2018. Miss Cheyenne Valentino. Stay tuned. Preventing HIV and having safe and healthy relationships are an important part of sexual health. We'll take you through an overview of PrEP with PrEP 101 show you how to access PrEP, and let you find out if PrEP is right for you. PrEP is an HIV prevention option that works by taking one pill every day. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. When taken every day, PrEP can provide a high level of protection against HIV and is even more effective when it is combined with condoms and other prevention tools. People who use PrEP should take the medicine every day and return to their health care provider every three months for follow-up and prescription refills. Now, let's take a look at the numbers. In several studies of PrEP, the risk of getting HIV infection was up to 92% lower for those who took the medicines consistently than for those who didn't take the pill. Some people in clinical studies of PrEP had early side effects such as upset stomach, loss of appetite, or mild headache. But these were all mild and usually went away in the first month. How do you start PrEP? Talk with your doctor or healthcare provider. If you and your provider agree that PrEP might help, get tested for HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases and to see if your kidneys are working well. If PrEP is a good option for you, your provider will give you a prescription. PrEP is covered by most insurance programs. If you don't have insurance, your healthcare provider can direct you to medication assistance programs that may help pay for PrEP. You can also contact your local health department and HIV and AIDS service organizations for more information. Thinking about PrEP to prevent HIV? Here's what to do next. Make a list of why you think PrEP would be right for you. 
and do your research and seek out information to help you decide. Also, think about your routine and what might make it easy or hard to take a daily pill. And always know you can call your healthcare provider if you have more questions. But what are the best questions to ask? Would PrEP be a good option for me? How much would PrEP lower my risk of HIV infection? What else can I do to lower my risk of HIV infection? Can I get help paying for PrEP? Are there any side effects to PrEP? How often will I be tested for HIV and other STDs? Will you prescribe and manage PrEP for me? If you decide PrEP is right for you, definitely take your pill every day. Follow your healthcare provider's advice about how to take your pill. This will give it the best chance to prevent HIV infection. Tell your healthcare provider if you have trouble remembering to take your pill or want to stop PrEP. Remember, you are in control. Get informed. Make the right choice for you. Check out the Start Talking, Stop HIV website for resources. Stayatinacard.com is an online greeting card company that delivers right to your front door. Visit our website, www.sayitinacard.com. You can read the cards, order the cards, and we ship them directly to you. If you feel it, we say it in a card. We have breakup cards, troubled relationship cards, troubled friendship cards, and, of course, all of the traditional cards as well, from birthday to Mother's Day. So, again, visit us at www.sayitinacard.com. Free shipping for a limited time. This is your reigning Miss Continental Plus, Cheyenne Valentino, and you're listening to The Talk with Micah and Friends. Good evening to all, blown in from right here in the windy city of Chicago, Illinois. I am contestant number 11, proudly representing Miss Illinois Continental Plus, and my name is Cheyenne Valentino. Have a heavenly evening. Thank you. Our second runner-up tonight is contestant number five. Albion. Our first runner-up tonight is contestant number nine, Layla LaRue. Are you all saying the judges have done a wonderful job again? Is that what you're saying? Let's give the judges a nice round of applause. Ladies and gentlemen, your newly crowned Miss Continental, Cheyenne Valentino. All right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Uh, If you are listening to the sound of my voice at this very moment, you are in for a treat. Um, Keeping it consistent with Continental tonight, I have with me the reigning Miss Continental Plus for a few more days, the lovely and talented Miss Cheyenne Valentino. So welcome back to the show, Cheyenne. Hi, Micah. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day out, so I'm doing really great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored, most definitely. Um, But it is indeed a pleasure to have you back on the spot with Mike and friends. You've been on the show before. Um, But what better way to come back but to be able to celebrate, to honor, and get to know the person that we know now as Ms. Cheyenne Valentino. Um, Before we get underway, uh, I would like to remind um, you know, everyone that's listening to be sure to not only follow the show on blogtalkradio.com forward slash to start with Micah, but also you can listen to not only this episode, which is episode 76, 
but all episodes ever published. And that's going all the way back to December of 2013. Now, you can also listen to us on iTunes. So if you have an iPhone, you can simply click on the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone, then click search at the bottom right, search the Talk with Micah, and subscribe for free. So, again, you have blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Talk with Micah, as well as iTunes, and all both of those platforms are F-R-E-E free. Um, so we greatly appreciate it. Now, uh, Cheyenne, on to you. While many may know you or may know who you are and, of course, know your current title, um, at the same time, they may not really know who's behind the title, the crown, and the fest. So I want to take this time out or to start out this chat tonight with just getting to know that person. So in your own words, can you give us a little background on where you're from, where you currently reside, and just a little bit about your family and your upbringing? Sure. Uh, well, I um, was born in Chicago. Um, I am. I actually live in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. I was born to a in a biracial family. My dad is German. My mom is was African American. Um, pretty much grew up in a very strict household. Um, my father was very strict growing up. You know, actually, my father was a homophobe. He hated homo- oh, wow. he hated gays. Yeah, he does. He's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God either. So it was very interesting. Um, I was very spoiled growing up. Um, I'm the baby of four. I have a brother that's deceased. I actually found him dead about 22 years ago now. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I graduated from high school about a year and a half early, went straight to college. Um, I attended Jackson State University for a short while, then Indiana University. Um, didn't finish college, unfortunately. Landed a really great paying job and left, but you mm-hmm. know how that goes. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> was in May. You know, I was in theater, acting, singing since the age of six. Um, I actually was on Star. I don't know if you remember the TV show Star Search with Ed. I do. Ed McMahon. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was actually on Star Search when I was nine years old, and I cannot find clips of it anywhere. But I was on Star Search at nine years old. Um, I used to go around in our grade schools. We have the grade schools here in Chicago are by district. So okay. I went to school district 89. So when I was in kindergarten, they would come and get me from my school, and I would travel around to all the district 89 schools and sing at all the graduations. Mm. So one of the A&Rs that actually worked for one of the companies that was affiliated with Star Search happened to be at one of the graduations for his family member. And mm-hmm. I sang, and that's kind of how I got introduced to Star Search and was able to go do the show. Now, how far did you get in Star Search? I made it all the way to the round right before they aired it on television. I actually oh, went to okay. a group singing, um, uh, some young guys singing New Edition. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I sang The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. Mm, one of my favorite artists. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, so that's a little known, you know, a little known fact that I didn't know about you as, as far as Star Search was concerned. I know about some other shows that we'll talk about in the, in the fact, but uh, I, I never knew about Star Search. So um, you, you said uh, your, your, your mother was African-American, your father was German. So now is your father still alive? 
Yes, my father's still living. He lives in okay. California. He's a okay. retired he's a retired neurologist. Okay. Um, very not very. You know, it's funny. The older he's gotten, he's mm-hmm. becoming more subtle. Um, and I think that's because he's older. He's realized that a lot of things that he did when I was growing up wasn't the best. He was a great father financially, mm-hmm. but he wasn't the best father. I'll say morally. Morally and emotionally, yeah. Exactly. He he was one of those people that, because my father, he's pretty well off, so he's mm-hmm. one of those people that felt that money solved all problems. And as we know, they don't. <laughs> all, honey. As we know, some they problems, don't. Some problems, but they don't solve them all. Though. All the problems, right, exactly. Exactly. So, so, so how was your relationship with your father? Because I, I know that's very important to, you know, I know it's important for me, you know, so how was your relationship with him now? You know, now um, I haven't talked to my dad in maybe, oh, about seven, about six years. Um, I remember I was working for a company, and I was just sitting there one day. I don't know what came over me. I was 24. I'll never forget. And I typed him a letter telling him that I was gay and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. And about two weeks later, I got a, a letter back in the mail, and before I could open the letter, I saw this big red writing, like, typed on it in red letters. Mm. And in big red letters, he told me I was going to hell, and he sent me a copy, a revised copy of his final will and testament. Where that he did not me, have you in it. He wrote, he wrote me out of the will and left everything to my two sisters. Mm. Yes. So wow. it was that serious. And, you know, his thing is he just always, he, well, these are his words. He he just always felt that I would have children and go to the military and the service mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. But like I explained to him, even if I wasn't gay, I wasn't going to the damn military. Right. So that didn't make a difference anyway. So we have a, we speak, but it's not the relationship that I had growing up as a kid. I was like daddy's little boy. Right. Right. And, you know, I, um, I always, you know, even, even for myself, like my, well, my dad, you know, it's not, he's, it's not like he's estranged. We don't have the, the best relationship as far as like, okay, you like, we talk and, you know, we, you know, whatever. And, you know, I talk to him, you know, every now and again and stuff like that, but we don't have the relationship that, you know, I think everybody has in their mind what they would love for their relationship to be with their mother and their father, you Mm -hmm. know, and sometimes it doesn't always pan out that way. You know, and so I think that we all want to have that perfect or that good relationship with our parents. But I always say, especially as you get older, you you, you have to come into a sense of stuff and realizing that just because you don't have that relationship or the relationship that you desire with, with your, you know, your parents, you still have to press on. You still have mm-hmm. to keep doing what, you, what you're doing, and your life can't stop because of them because they're missing out, not you. Exactly. You know, exactly. they're missing out. Exactly. So, and, uh, go, ahead, go, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, so but you know, I thank God that um my mother you know, my mother in the beginning, um, she would say little slick things. Um, even though she used the word fag, not to me, but she would say, Look at that old sissy or you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that and I used to always think in my head, like, dang, she's saying all that but I know she she gotta know her child is gay. Right, right, I, right. I had never said it verbally but, honey, I've been playing in her high heel shoes since I was six years old. So I know. I used to get my butt kicked for running around the house playing in heels. So I know she knew. But my mom, she was 
she was accepting to it when I finally opened up and told her. The mm-hmm. first thing her exact words was, "Well, how did you know? When did you find out?" Mm-hmm. And it just kind of it became an open dialogue from there. Right. You know, I, I believe that children um, growing up, we always gravitate toward a certain family member or members even outside of our mom and dad. So mm-hmm. if you can remember, who who was that person for you? Who was that person outside of your mom and dad as a child you gravitated more towards? Oh, my God. Um, I had a couple cousins. Um, mm-hmm. I've always hung out with older people. I was in, mm, I was in third, fourth grade. All my friends were in sixth or seventh grade, and my mother would say, what could you possibly have in common with someone so young? And mm-hmm. then I would tell her, you know, um, he's not the typical youngster. So, right. But, and with that being said, I would have to honestly say my Aunt Bobby um, mm. on my dad's side. Um, I have an aunt named Bobby. And when I was 18, no, I'm sorry, when I was 17, a lot of people might not know this. I actually competed for my first pageant when I was 17, which was a black university limb. Okay. And I told my um my Auntie Bobby, that's who I gravitated to because I felt like we were really close. And I told her in secrecy that I was mm. doing this pageant and, you know, what it was. And that was my first time doing a pageant. I didn't know nothing about pageant. One of, a couple of my friends had taught me how to write checks, and I was working stunts to do this pageant. I was 17 mm-hmm. years old. <laughs> so we all got a pass, honey. Right, most and, and they taught me how to do this pageant. I'm on stage. I walk out on stage. It's my auntie, my two cousins, my other auntie, her husband. My auntie then told the whole family. Oh, wow. So here I am now, 16, 17 years old, at the baton, mm. doing a pageant. Now, mind you, my mom was the VP for the Department of Children and Family Services, so she had connections. <laughs> I would never okay. forget. She, she called the baton and said, just the do, do the authorities know that you have 17-year-olds in there performing at your establishment? Oh, wow. Did your mom did yeah. that? Yeah, oh. she called down oh, wow. to Jim Flint. Yes, she did. Oh, wow. She didn't play any games. She didn't care who, oh. she didn't care who you are. Her right. thing was you're allowing someone underage in your establishment, but what my mother didn't know, that was the life of the club and the scene back then, a lot yeah. of underage it, it kids were, were, were getting into it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was it was it was a weird situation then, and that a lot of that is how the underlying conflict started with the whole baton thing from years ago. <laughs> okay. It's a backstory to everything. Okay, it all, of course, of course. Okay, so your aunt, your aunt Bobby was the person that you gravitated toward, and you gra- And if I'm understanding correctly, you kind of gravitated toward her because she's the one that you felt that felt as though you could trust. I think because we always had that one auntie or uncle that we feel like we can tell stuff to versus telling it to our mom or our dad. We can tell it to yeah. that auntie or that yeah. uncle. You know, because a lot of them, they, they, it seems like we everybody have an auntie or uncle who is a little bit more open-minded than mm-hmm. the mom and the daddy, you know. So, okay, auntie Bobby. All right, now. You know it, it turned out for the worst, though, Michael, because it's oh, crazy. Wow. So my mother was so pissed that my aunt, did, my mother's thing was, I was 17, and to her, that's still a minor. And she mm-hmm, felt mm-hmm. that my aunt should have come to her 
and told her that I was getting ready to do that. So my my, my mother and aunt didn't talk for about seven years behind. Oh wow! Yeah, my mother held that against my aunt for a long time because she felt you went out and told all the other family, and you should have been telling me that's my child. Which I can't be mad at the mom. I can't be mad at mama now. <laughs> yeah, and, but and it was so shady because my aunt would come around mm-hmm. and she would say, "She tell her yet?" And my mother would be like, "What are you talking about?" And I would just look at my aunt like out the side of my eyes, like, "Would you shut the, you know, shut mm-hmm. up?" Mm-hmm. Every time she would come around, she would keep saying, "Well, if you don't tell her, I'm going to tell her." So it went from me loving and trusting my auntie to distrusting and almost disliking her. You know, Mm. she was the person that I figured was going to be the confidant. And then later on, we found out she was living a secret lesbian life. Mm. I was waiting on that. I was 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 waiting on that. (laughs) I'm like, girl, come on. You know, so it was a mess. When 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 you think about like I think we all have like past times and things that we you know that was a favorite of ours. So when you think about you going growing up and in grade school, what were some of your favorite subjects and pastime while growing up, other than singing? Oh, believe it or not, singing is not a favorite pastime. Oh okay, oh my, it really isn't. Uh, um, what was some of my? Well, I did play sport. I played volleyball, and believe it mm-hmm. or not, I actually ran track. I ran two hundred meters. Okay. Um, I have really nice calves that you ever see. <laughs> okay. um, I did run track, and I was a I was a manager for the basketball team. Okay. Um, I'm trying to. So you so you went on all the you went on all the basketball away games with the guys. And yes, in, in your life. I remember I wanted to be a manager at one point. Ooh, I love it. And I was just as gay as I wanted to be. And they loved me and respected it. But, you know, some of my fondest memories, I would have to honestly say, Mm -hmm. one of the best was my eighth grade year in grade school. Um, It was just an amazing year. We had one of the largest graduating classes. And it was a lot of wonderful people in my class. And I think that was a good year, too, because a lot of those people that were really close to me have either died or gotten killed since then. Mm. So Chicago is a rough rough place. It is. It is. You know, it definitely is. Depends on where you are. Where you live. Where you are. Where you are. Where where you're located. It can be. Definitely. Um, I think... Uh, you can tell a lot about a person sometimes by the things that they watch on TV. So since we're getting to know you more, you know, the person behind the, the, the makeup and the stage, what are some of the, like, the, the, your favorite television shows um, at this present moment? Oh, I love New Amsterdam. I love The Good Doctor. I love The Resident. I love 911. I like Star Empire. Uh, I like Gotham, I Zombie. It's a lot of shows I actually. Uh, okay, yeah, because I'm writing down. You got New Amsterdam, Good Doctor, Nine One One, Empire, Gotham. Oh yeah, um, you got a I lot like of- I Zombie. I'm a big fan of Good Girls. Okay. Um, I, I love. Did I say the Good Doctor already? I did say the yeah, Good Doctor. Yeah, you did. I'm trying to see. Those are actually some of my favorites that I always make sure I break my neck to watch. Like I really love those shows. 
Are there, you know, since, since so many people are into reality television, are there any reality shows that you have to watch? Oh, yes. I call them my ratchet TV. I love my yes, ratchet I TV, do, yeah. I can't um, tell you I, what I call it on the on, on this. Um, I have to, I have to tell you what I call it. <laughs> I can't say it on air. <laughs> I love my ratchet TV. Um, I love the Housewives of Atlanta, uh-huh. and I absolutely love Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. That's my favorite okay. franchise of the Love and Hip Hop franchise. Is Atlanta? I'm trying to see what. Yeah, I'm trying to. Atlanta gives me my life in all the in all the reality areas for some reason. Yeah. Um, I love the housewives, Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I like the Real Housewives of Potomac. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like. Uh, I'm starting to get into the new Married to Medicine LA. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of slowly getting into it. It's not mm-hmm. giving me what I need yet, but I love Married to Medicine Atlanta though. Oh, I love it. I, I like yeah. I like Married to Medicine Atlanta over Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like it, it, it took. Like, at one point, I was a Real Housewives of Atlanta fan, but now I'm married to medicine. I don't know. I think that um, Nene with married to <laughs> No, well, no, no, no. I think that what, what what I love about married to medicine is not the fact that, oh, they have regular jobs or they're, you know, whatever. I like the fact that at the end of the day, they know how to resolve conflict in a way and still, you know, like, okay, I know I don't like you or you did this to me. But let's find a balance. Let's let let you know. You may have that one person that people are kind of against for a while, but they seem like they always know how to kind of like bring it back. And versus Atlanta, it's always kind of like, well, girl, I'm gonna say if I'm mad with you now, I'm gonna stay mad with you for the next four, five, six episodes, you know, or mm-hmm. even through the reunion. And so what I like about Marriage to Medicine is at the end of the day, they got some not not discrediting any of the ladies at Real Housewives Atlanta and what they do, but mm-hmm. they know they are attached. Not just to a brand, but you're attached to a doctor. Either you're the doctor or your husband is a doctor. You know, and you know, it's only but so much you can do. It's only but so much you, it's only but so far you can take it because you got to realize that your husband or you as a doctor, you know, you have clientele and you don't want me to be turned off by who you are on television. So, you know, you got to really back in. So that's what I appreciate about that. And I get it. I grew up a doctor's child. My dad Mm -hmm. was gone all day and night. And and a a crazy fact about my father, my father was a very highly, highly functioning alcoholic during Mm. his practice. See, a Mm. lot of people didn't know, honey, it was times my dad would be in the hospital drunk as a skunk, operating on folks. Oh no! So he is truly blessed to not have ever had any malpractice. Amen. Let's praise God for that. You know, even though he don't believe in them. He, exactly. <laughs> well, he might now. I don't know. You know. Oh, okay. He, he he hasn't he hasn't drank now. It's been about okay. twenty two years. He's been okay. recovered. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I did grow up, you know, with him being an alcoholic, unfortunately. So that is a part of the background with him. Okay, so, so we got New Amsterdam, Good Doctor, 911, Empire, Gotham, iZombie, Good Girls, and so much more, Married to Medicine, Love and Hell, Pop, Atlanta, Real Housewives of Atlanta. So I want to ask you, um, what's the one book that you read that was an eye-opener for you? What's that one book that just really did it for you? I think every line of books from Elian Harris. Oh, yes. Okay. Kids. I remember mm. being introduced to Just As I Am and all those yes. books. Yes. And yes. it was an opportunity 
to read what actually had transpired before in my in my life. Mm-hmm. Being a gay black man, um, mm-hmm. you know, having a crush on your straight friend, you and your friend fooling around, and mm-hmm. you know, it was just it. Was, and I couldn't believe that there was actually a book like this, and it was from a black author. And mm-hmm. I was so sick when he passed away. Oh, me too. I was, I mean, I was really sick because I was so excited for them to possibly take his books to film one day. And it still could happen, but, you know, it, it just wasn't from him while he was here. So, you know, a lot of Elin Harris books were, like, opening and really pivotal for me and my lifestyle coming into this lifestyle as a young black man. I can relate because I can remember being at the lunch table, you know, in the morning, how, how we did it back in South Carolina was we would, when the buses dropped us off at school, we would go and from like, I guess what school would start at like eight, eight o'clock or whatever. So we mm-hmm. would get there between 7.30, 7.45 and we were all, every, they put everybody, he kind of meets in the, in the, in the, uh, in the cafeteria. So you stay there and you mingle and talk and do your homework that you didn't do the, the night before. Uh, <laughs> you would, you, you would do that until, until it's time for the bell to ring or whatever. And I can remember the very first book, my 11th grade year, which was, uh, my 11th grade year was 98, 99. Mm-hmm. So I remember Invisible Life was the very first Elon yeah. Harris book I read. Was that the and, first uh, one to the that was, yeah, That's the first one. It, it, just Invisible as I Am Life. Was next, right? Right, right. Just okay. as I okay. Am, and then it was a, like a love of my own. own. And, yes. and this was just like, yeah, all of that stuff. And so I get it. I connect just how you connected with it. Like, it, it, it was for me, that book was what solidified and gave the confirmation, like, yeah. You are then. I know you date dating a girl, but this is who you are. Because I, you know, you know, like I, you know, I don't want to get too explicit, but you know, like I felt something when uh, reading yes, those certain scenes, yes, and like, yes. oh yeah, this is this is me. This well, is what I, I am. Gonna, this I, it, it made you some of the some of the parts of the book made you get hot. Yeah, you sat yeah. there and thought to yourself, like, "Damn, I, right?" I, I mean, it was I. So mm-hmm. it was. I'm, I'm with you on that one. It was yeah. one of those books that was like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. this is perfect for me right here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's interesting. It's interesting how that was. Um, that was that book was an eye opener for you, and and you know, I even tried to ask myself that question, like, "Well, what would my book be?" And I never would have thought. Elon Harris, but for me, it probably was, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, Elon Harris probably was the eye-opener, and then, of course, over the years, you know, I read other books, but yeah, so, so that's interesting. I like that we have that in common. So yeah, if you wrote a... So, about trade and everything. Yeah, everything, and then, um, I don't know if you remember B-Boy Blues. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I actually, it's so crazy how, you know, life happens, but I read B-Boy Blues in high school, and then in 2014, my, um, my ex... Uh, Boyfriend at the time, you know, was living in Philadelphia, and they were putting on a play, and, and well, not putting on a play, they were supporting or sponsoring B-Boy Blues, the play, um, and it was the author and all of them, you know, like it was the actual author, um, I think his name was James something, oh, I can't think of his name right now, but I thought so when you would look at the little playbill or whatever that they had, I'm in the back, the talk with Micah and friends is in the back of the playbill as a sponsor as well, I, I thought like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, wow, like, I read this book when I was in high school, and who would have known, you know, years later, here I am supporting this place. So, um, so yeah, it's just funny how life happens. So let me ask you this. If you wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? 
misconception. Mm, we'll talk about that in just a second. <laughs> misconceptions, I, I, I love that. Because um, you can go so, you can go really, really far with that. You know yes, what I'm saying? You can. You, can, you, you, you can really, I mean, it's really about your life because if people have so many misconceptions about you, and I'll ask you that question in a second, but if people have so many misconceptions about you, you're able to really just kind of like tell your life and then people will just read it like everything that I thought about or everything I figured is really not, you know, because you can't judge a book by its cover. You can't judge a book by what other people have told you. You have to experience it yourself. I like to experience people, you know, for who they are. I don't care what they've done. Just stand up. Let me experience them and let me see how they made me feel. You yeah. know, so I can so I can have my own, <laughs> you know, exactly. think about think about that. Okay, exactly, okay. and that's that's something we don't do enough of in our LGBTQ I agree. I agree. community. We we I see it so often. We go, we are so quick to go off of what we hear about somebody and what this mm-hmm. person said. That it's like, girl, you don't even know this person really, you know. Right. But that's a whole other topic. We get into that later. Right. <laughs> what um what would you say are some of your favorite musical influences? Oh, Whitney Houston, Jennifer Holiday, um really Whitney Houston. Um, growing up all I sang was Whitney Houston. You know, all the auditions I've ever done, Whitney Houston was very influential in my music career and and my, but my favorite artist, believe it or not, is Rachelle Farrell. Okay, I love her. I love her. That's I love one her. Of my, that's probably my favorite artist, Rachelle Farrell. I have a few songs that I that I like um, from her, um, and I really did. Like, not once I didn't really get into her, but I really kind of didn't get into her until. Um, probably like my early twenties, but mm-hmm. you know, like I can't explain. And uh, prayer dance is a, is one that I love. I mean, that's the one that most people probably won't really remember. But uh, prayer dance is one. Waiting is one mm-hmm. that I'm still waiting on Giselle <laughs> Barbie Royale to perform for me. But uh, <laughs> I'm hoping you hear that. Uh, but waiting and with open arms and nothing has yeah. ever felt like this. My like, yeah. yeah. So, and Phenomenal it wasn't necessarily her songs either. It's just, it was just the way she sings. Yeah, that voice yeah. is, is is no joke. It, when yeah. I say her voice is truly an instrument from God, it is. Her it voice is. is truly an instrument. It is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's talk about your voice while, while we're talking about voices. When did you know you had a voice? And how did you go about cultivating the voice to what we hear today? Oh, um, well, like I said, I first started singing when I was about five or six. My mm-hmm. mom, my 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 mother's side of the family actually uh, sings also. Okay. Um, so I kind of got it naturally, just a God-given gift, uh, inherited. Um, I was six, and I sang. I had <laughs> funny story. We had a talent show in my school, my old grade school. Mm-hmm. And this was my first time ever singing in front of someone, in front of a big audience to that magnitude. And I lived, my address was 806 South 17th Avenue, and the school address was 805 South 17th Avenue. Mm. So we were literally directly across the street from, I lived directly across the street from the school. And I will never forget, I was waiting in the in the gym room, uh, for the for time for me to go on, 
and this is the first time I ever experienced this. I I BM'd on myself. Okay. And I had to run home and clean up, and I would never forget. My mother was like, boy, did you boo-boo on yourself? Uh-huh. I said, yes. And she's like, oh, Lord, you're so, ooh. You're so nervous. I mm-hmm. was so nervous. I used oh. to wash her up myself. Oh, God. But by the grace of God, I lived directly across the street from the school. I was baby had you not. <laughs> I cleaned up. I came back in time, but I ended up winning the talent show, though. How you doing? What did you think? Do you remember? The greatest, the greatest love of all. So the greatest love of all. Okay. okay. The greatest okay. love of all. And from that moment... That's when I said, well, damn, I always knew I could sing, but I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. I could really do this. And that's when it all took 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 off from them taking me from my school, traveling to all the other schools to sing. It started okay. out from that talent show. And then from there, when the guy saw me at the school, they went to Star Search. So it was a blessing at every level of it. So I remember a conversation. I think we had we had we had the conversation during Angel City. We were all mm-hmm. out eating or whatever, and we um, I believe you talked about American Idol when you were on American Idol. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, you were you were on American Idol. The don't tell me was it the year that Carrie Underwood? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So tell me about that. Tell tell me about quickly or tell us quickly like. What um what made you want to audition for that? How was that audition process, and what did you learn from competing or, or auditioning for for American Idol? Um, you know, I really what really prompted me to want to do American Idol was the year when Fantasia, mm-hmm. Jennifer Hudson, and Latoya Love Latoya. Mm-hmm. were all on the show. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was one of the most powerful three women I had ever seen, and it yes. I was like I was I was like mm. I want to do that show. So mm-hmm. and then I ended up becoming cool with Jennifer Hudson through a friend of mine. Okay. And that was really encouraging. So I went to do the show. A friend, My friend Jared and I, we drove to St. Louis um, <clears throat> to do the audition. And on TV, it's, we see the auditions there in front of Paula, Simon, and Randy. Right. And it was. So in my mind, that's what I thought was going to happen. But got there, it was a totally different process. You had to audition for the audition. You had to audition for the audition for the next audition mm. for the next audition. Mm. So it was literally forced. We went on a Sunday. I auditioned mm-hmm. Sunday, Monday. I had a break on Tuesday, and I did the final audition on Wednesday. I was not expected, but see, that was during the time, just back up, that was during the time when the different stadiums where the auditions were held were allowed yeah. to actually sleep in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. You know, before mm-hmm. the bombings and all that stuff got yeah. started. And um, so you were allowed to sleep in there, so it was a little more economically feasible for people, but after that, you had to start paying for hotel rooms multiple nights. So it was it was a lot. Um, the process was. I always tell people it was definitely an emotional roller coaster. Mm. Um, it was it was, and I say that because you would have people who were just phenomenal, phenomenal gifted singers that weren't making. They would it. just let them go. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then this idiot who's really not here for the cause mm-hmm. gets through. 
So, you know, right. it's, it, and I learned a lot also, one of the biggest things I learned, um, the producers used to walk around with headsets on. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget we were in line, and the, we could hear the producer talking to each other. And he said, go through the line, find white girls between the age of 16 and 18, five, six, blonde with blue eyes. Mm-hmm. So what I learned from that entire process of going to Hollywood and everything, the entertainment industry mm. is 75% image yes, right. and 25% talent. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. care how talented you are. It's about the look and what you can sell, sex sales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really not about the talent. So that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in reality TV that, honey, it's about yeah, that image. It's about that image, and 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 one thing you know, having me ha- me having worked in reality as well. I mean, it, just when you're hit, when you were talking about the producers, the producers can manipulate. The, you know, they they can make it seem however they want to, however they want things to go. Things can go. They can get in. You know, especially when it comes to reality TV, as far as like the housewives and marriage and medicine and all kinds of all they have to do is get into a certain person's ear. Okay, Cheyenne, you know, say whatever they need to say to get you to be against somebody for them mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And just like you were saying, you know, with them walking around talking about let's look for this particular type of, of person. And while, yes, you know, image, you know, is, is great and all that, I know for me, I'm sure for you and for a lot of people that really truly love music, we don't care what the person looks like. We love to hear what the person sounds like and how they make us feel, yeah. you know. Not not about because you can you can get somebody and we we're seeing it now you know a, a lot of our a lot of the pop singers that were out in the nineties and you know the early two thousands you know who just had this look but can't sing they can't they, sing a lick you uh, know not an auto tune and yeah it, it's just not it, it's and and that was a, that just was not a fair dis- and that was the disappointing part you mm-hmm. know I did American Idol. 04, 05, 06, uh-huh. and 07. I oh, did wow. it four years in a row, and I made it to Hollywood twice. I made it to Hollywood in 04, and then again in 06. Mm. And it, it was just, it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. I met a lot of people, but I will honestly say the, the, the part that I missed the most was the relationships and the people that you met there that you never mm. see again. That you'll never see again, yeah. That was the most, yeah. that was, I think that was one of the hardest things because you really became close with people. But I do still keep up with a lot of my old American Idol people, though. I do still yeah, I remember you were, I think you were live one day in the kitchen making something. I can't remember what it was. And one of your American Idol, you know, friends was on the line. He said, oh, yeah, we got American Idol together. We got American Idol, something yeah. like that. I remember yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, yes, she actually yes. made it. Michelin actually made it. Um, I made it to group rounds during Hollywood. Okay. Michelin actually made it to the show. She and another, I don't know if you remember a young lady um, that was on the show back when I was on there named Aloha Michal. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, she made it to the show. She was a part of my group. So we all okay. hers with Carrie Underwood. She was our okay. social partner. And Miss okay. Carrie used to come in. She was just a little quiet, little mm-hmm. southern little thing. Didn't really dress like just wore jeans and t-shirts. Right. But we knew something was up because they always was interviewing Kim. 
Because she had that look. She, they, they, they were spoken. And then she has talent. So I'm like, oh, my God, we finally got one that looks a certain way and can sing. Yes. And they would pick and choose different people that were going through the audition process to go to their, like, to the places they live and do personal mm-hmm. interviews. And Carrie Underwood was one of the ones that always got the cameras to go to her house. So we always knew it was something special. It was something yeah. Underwood. Yeah. So, so my last question in regards to American Idol, do you have have you watched the new season? Hell no, I'm so over those singing reality mm. shows, child. Yeah. yeah. I did. I did kind of catch up on the Mask Singer because that seemed a little interesting to me, but mm-hmm. I'm over the yeah. reality TV singing shows. <laughs> I get it. Um. So let's talk about misconceptions. Let's go there before we talk continental talk. Um. This okay. Um. So this this is a question that for some reason I'm I don't think it's gonna trip you up, but for some reason it would always trip up my the people that I'm interviewing. Um. Uh. So I hope it doesn't trip you up. I don't think it will. But um, just like we're getting to know who you are behind the stage and behind the makeup and all of that, you know, people may perceive you, you know, and me included as a person, you know. Um, to be totally the opposite of what they think we are, you know. So mm-hmm. the question is, what is the biggest misconception of Cheyenne Valentino? You think. What do you think is the biggest misconception of Cheyenne? Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say in the past, okay. um, one of the biggest things was, and maybe now still, that I was messy. Okay. And unfortunately, what I learned in the see, I live two different worlds, so to speak. I have okay. my gay friends in the community, and then I have my I call them my lifetime friends gotcha. that truly know me that have been in my life twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned is, um, in our gay community, when you're too honest, people take that as being messy. Mm-hmm. If you're straightforward and honest, and I've I've never been a liar. My mother always preached the truth will set you free. You might Amen. hurt some people's feelings. Your feelings might get hurt, vice versa. But at the end of the day, people respect you more for being honest. Now, I will be honest. Sometimes I think some things are better left unsaid and done, and mm. I do have that issue sometimes where I just, mm-hmm. you know, say things, and I think about it later like, damn, bitch, you should have <laughs> not said that. But, mm-hmm. hey, it's life, and you, you do it, and you move on. But that, mm-hmm. to me, is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have. Yeah, and I just feel like, you know, with people who are truthful and, and honest, not even truthful, just being there, just honest people, that, that's who they are at the core. I think as we go through life and we become adults, we, we realize that, like you said, there's a time and a place for everything, and there's a way to peel back because, just because I was raised, because I was raised in a household just like you, where we there was it was straight no chaser, okay? It was yes. no, and and that's what I love about my family is like they never. I can go home right now and you know something could be you know you know wrong with I, I don't know anything on me. And they're like, okay, uh, excuse me, what's going on here? And I'm like, okay, well, baby, it's not that serious, you know. But that's just how we we grew yeah. up, and so. What I've come to realize is that everybody, number one, does not come from that that type of environment, whether family mm-hmm. or friendship, you know. And so for me, I observe people a lot more now, 
And I, well, I've kind of always done that, but I observe people and I kind of figure out how they are and how they move because I know that my delivery or the things that I may say out of my mouth because I'm very honest and that's just who I am as a person and just mm-hmm. like you are as a person, we've just re- we have to realize that not everybody can accept it in the way that's being delivered and the way that mm-hmm. that, and, and the way that it's coming from us. You know, it, it's not coming from a, a malicious place. It's not coming from a messy place. You know, but this is just who we are. You know, exactly. and so we just have to kind of like, okay, well, I know I can't tell this person that. <laughs> or you got to kind of condition them a little bit. Okay, well, let me pat you on the head and let me yeah. just say this, you know. And, you know, yeah. it's nice. And people have that misperception. And it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> growing up, I came out at 11 years old. Mm. I was a baby. Mm-hmm. I didn't have people trying to show me the right way of what not to do and what mm. not to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mind you, I told you earlier, I was young and always hung out with older. My first time going That's to the right. club, I was 11 years old. Christian Valentino took me to my first club. Now, she didn't know I was 11. Not Christian. Like, <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> she thought I was maybe 15, 16. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was 11 years old at my first Pride event. You know, mm. so I didn't have people, and it's nothing towards Christian them or anything, but right, I didn't right. have influences teaching me what not to do and what to do. Right. You know, um, I saw the girls prostituting. Mm-hmm. I saw the girls working roots, mm-hmm. um, writing checks, uh, uh, setting guys up to rob them. You know, all, I grew up around all that. It was um, life for them at that moment. It was life for mm-hmm. them at that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to think, I'm an 11-year-old who's living a strict life at home, mm-hmm. who's sneaking out doing living this secret life in the streets. Mm-hmm. It was really like mixing oil and water mm-hmm. because I was living two lives, but then I had to merge back into one and find a midpoint in the middle somewhere. Somewhere, right. So it was. it was – and a lot of times when you're young, growing up, I've always been outspoken. Like, I, like you know, we were saying, that's the type of families we grew up in, very right. straight, no chaser. So I've always right. been outspoken. So to be outspoken and opinionated and young and gay. <laughs> oh, it's a whole lot mixed up. <laughs> oh, honey, it was just. Baby, they just yeah. they 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 used to call me Miss Craig, honey. They couldn't deal mm-hmm. with Miss Craig. Miss Craig didn't care who you were. Miss Craig's mm-hmm. gonna tell you how Miss Craig felt. I didn't mm-hmm. care if you were a diva in the industry back then, because mm-hmm. back then, guess what? I didn't know shit about divas in the industry like yeah. that. So to me, I'm looking at you. You just some bitch talking shit to me that I can read. You know, I, who? Okay, who is that girl? You mm-hmm. don't tell that's so and so, so and so. Oh, I don't know her like that. But mm-hmm. I know she's not going to talk to me like that. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're young and, you, and you're that and you as feisty or something like that, oh, they can't take that. And you're looked mm-hmm. at as, oh, she's messy or she's this or that. It's like, no, mm-hmm. bitch, I'm no different than any of you all are. It's just that I don't sugarcoat it and you all do. Mm-hmm. Whew, so now that you've had a reign that we'll talk about in a little bit, um, and you've gotten the opportunity not only through Continental but through um, Westland and 
competing um, at US of A. Do you think that whatever misconceptions, or do you, or do you think that? Let me back up. Do you think a lot of the misconceptions that people had about you were people that grew up or not necessarily grew up, but people that were in your own, like, you know, where you're from, or do you think the more of the misconception was from people from the outside of the Chicago area? It, no, it was here. But you know what, okay. the people that taught me how to be that messy fag were the same people that read me for being that messy fag. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And, and, and you know, that's kind of like, unfortunately, how it goes. Um, but you, do you, do, yeah, but do you feel like now, kind of going back to the other question, is that through through your reign and being able to go to these different cities and states and and um, you know talk to these different people and and these different contestants and then also mm-hmm. reign for other systems, do you think that now people have a different perception of you? Oh, my God, definitely. And that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to take this opportunity to do. Um, I think that per- that perception had pretty much left for the most part. Everybody knows O'Shea is very opinionated and speaks her mind. Right. So that's pretty much everybody in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that perception was gone, has left. I think um, while I was Westland Grand Empress, I think here and there the perception might have came back because there was little – you know, ends and eyes during that rain, and that mm-hmm. was a learning experience for me because that was my first big rain. Right, right, um, right. So I learned a lot from that, and I think after that, going into Miss Duval Plus is when people really start seeing Cheyenne. Right. And not even and, and not even that. I mean, not even just. People started to see Cheyenne. I believe that Cheyenne started to see, see Cheyenne. Yes, yes. Ooh, you know? just, I got goosebumps. Yes, <laughs> yes. It was yes. a learning experience mm-hmm. for me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and Duval helped me really learn. Even though I didn't travel a lot with Duval, mm-hmm. Duval really showed me what it was like to have a uh, uh, Rick Finn is, has always been like a, a father to me anyways. So Duval really was that system to – Rick was like, hey, uh-uh, baby. You know, if you you know Rick Micah, he's very oh, yeah, most straight, definitely. no chaser. Mm-hmm. And that helped me grow as a man as well. Yes. I, I, I am um, a firm believer in a lot of things. And one thing in, in relation to this particular – community, or not even community, this industry, the, 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 the female impersonation male lead is that you always have to be open. You can't go in this industry wanting to just be the same person. Oh, I, I am who I am, who I am, I'm not changing. If that's the case, don't even, don't even apply for the job <laughs> because you're, you're going to have experiences that are going to teach you. You're going to have experiences that are going to mold you. You're going to have experiences that are going to humble you. You know, mm-hmm. and so you have to go in, you know, with an open mind and being and, and not and understanding that the people that come to you, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying I'm talking to everybody that's listening, that the people that come to you and want to impart something on you or onto you, you have to, un- hopefully, they're not coming to you trying to be messy, but they're imparting something on you because they see something special in you and they want to mm-hmm. see you grow and they want to see you excel and they want to see you become something. 
But if you have this closed mind and you walk in saying, oh, I am this, I am that, uh, nobody can't tell me anything, I got all the garments, I got all the talent, you know, then you're never going to essentially grow, and then people will be turned turned off. So on my, my advice, and I want to get your advice too, but my advice to people is that when you're coming into this industry, be open-minded, be ready to absorb as much as you can, but also be wise and smart and intelligent, knowing that everything that you absorb, you can't take. You know, you got to be able to learn how to decipher what's for you, what works for you, and what's not going to work for you, but at the same time, be willing to grow. Yeah, you ha- and, 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 and you have to decipher who's good for you. As oh, well. yeah. You yeah. know, D. West used to always tell me, and I never, I, I didn't quite grasp mm-hmm. that was his way of <laughs> indirectly telling me, but he would always say, and even my gay father, Antonio, he you too nice to people. You invite people to be friends too fast. D. Mm-hmm. West used to always say, baby, stop calling every, these, these, excuse my, these bitches and bastards, you call them brothers and sisters, baby, they throwing you under the bus. Mm-hmm. I've had people, Micah, and, and this is real, real instances. I've had people, and I don't know why people, would do stuff like that to me. I guess based off what they've heard, it's easy. When you hear things about a person being a certain way, it's easy to throw stuff on them, and Uh people believe it instantly. You know, but I've had people, Micah, to call me, have whole conversations, tell me what they're doing for the pageant, ask advice, and will go back and tell people, oh, Miss Cheyenne called me, thinks she know everything, trying to tell me everything. And And it's like, wait a minute, that's nothing how the conversation Uh Mm-hmm. You just sat on the phone with me for two hours telling me everything, and now you just went back and told, oh, girl, all she want to do is hold you on the phone. You know, it's some dirty, trifling people in this community. <laughs> and, 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 and that is the case, but it goes back to, you know, as you're getting older and you're understanding that there are certain people that are put on this earth, I mean, people are going through their, their things their own experiences themselves. And some people mm-hmm. get out of that rut. Some people get out of that, that, that messiness of, of themselves and have to kind of do damage control to, to, you know, get the people to really like them again, and some people don't. But it's, it's a time to, and this is for anyone, like, to reflect and understand that it's okay to, and I get what B. West is saying, but it's okay to keep that circle small. It's okay mm-hmm. to keep that circle tight and understand that everybody's, Everybody serves a place. Some people are are out of the box of friends. Some people are near the box of friends, and some people are the friends. Mm-hmm. And once you get that close circle, you stick with them and you ride with them because at the end of the day, you know, whether good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, you know that they're going to be the people that you can turn to, and they're not going to turn against you and speak exactly. ill will of you and this and the other. So um, that's very important. But I think that those are the trials and errors of, that's a trial and error of not only this industry, but us, of, you know, us as LGBTQIA plus people, you know, is that, you know, we have, a, we have the same trials and tribulations as a straight man and as a straight woman. You know, um, sometimes it's a little harder because we have, so, we have a lot of people in our community that have a lot of big personalities and this, that, and the mm-hmm. other, but it's just a way of being able to figure out. Sometimes it's okay. I can tell my children, it's okay to sit back 
and observe everybody and figure out, you know, what's for you and what's against you and who you want to be yeah. bothered with and who and you, who you don't. And be honest in that, and, and it's okay. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to please everybody. The person that you should be pleasing first is yourself. And every and another thing I learned too with that, Micah, every action doesn't re- deserve no. a reaction. That's right. That's right. You know, I had to learn how to, and I and D West taught me a lot, and I thank him for that. You know, we didn't have the best. Shout out to D West. Shout, Shout out, out to D West. <laughs> Papa West. You know, we didn't have the best relationship during my uh-huh. reign, uh-huh. but. And this might sound crazy to some, but I'm glad that happened because mm-hmm. it brought us to a better place later on, and it was a learning experience for me. And I learned a lot about myself. You know, I learned a lot about people. You know, mm-hmm. you can't please everybody. You know, um, we'll get into the, the – I'll save that for the continental part, what I was getting ready to go into. Okay, so 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 let me move past the misconceptions <laughs> and the people of the community. Um, but no, I you you it's it's and I just gotta put this out there is that I've asked that question. I've, I've been doing this show since 2013. And I've asked the misconception question so many times to so many entertainers, legends, icons, title holders, and that is the one that has always stumped people. But what I appreciate from you, Cheyenne, is the fact that you know what the misconception is, you know, oh, yeah. and, you, you know, you know what the misconception is. And, you know, I think that not saying, not talking down to him about former or title of the former uh, people that I've interviewed, but I think it's, it's okay to be truly honest on what you feel because it's what you feel. I mean, what you feel the, the misconception is about you or whatever, and then just say, hey, you know, this is what people mm-hmm. think about me, but at the end of the day, this is not who I am. This is who mm-hmm. I am. And if you get the opportunity and the chance to, to be around me and talk to me, you'll realize that. But, again, yeah. it's all in your action. You know, it's all get in the, get to know me, you know, especially if you're open to getting to know people. Now, everybody can't be your friend, as we know, you know, as we talk yeah. about, but at least, you know, you get to have that conversation. So let me let, so let's talk about the art form. Um, your first show was at the Baton, or well, no, your first pageant was at the pageant. Baton. Yeah. But, but the, your first show did you, was that the first time you ever stepped on stage, or you stepped on stage before the Universe Prelim? No, that was my in, as far as drag oh. goes, child. That was oh. my first time. Ever. Oh, okay. Stepping on stage, I was 17 years old. I didn't know nothing about wearing body pads. Yeah. I didn't know. All I was doing was writing bad checks to buy all these expensive rhinestones and fabric and stuff and getting stuff made, honey, and didn't know what the hell I was doing. So at, so was that, that was, was that Chicago Universe? That was, no, that was, um, Oh, what is it was Ferris Miles and um Tony Harper, who's actually Andrea Kelly's assistant. Okay. Um, was it Wendy I think it was Windy City Universe. Windy Windy City Universe. Okay. Windy okay. City Universe. Okay. Yes. Do you remember who was reigning at the time? The King of Queen? Um Oh hold on, because I know Raquel won that year. So who crowned Raquel? Uh Sasha. Okay, so it must have been Sasha because it was myself in the pageant, Erica Renee Christian, Camille Simpson. Because this, this, this would have been in um, 96, 97. Yes, yes. I was okay. 17 in 97, okay. correct. Okay. Uh-huh. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Raquel did Chicago Universal, either Victoria. 
LePage, one of them was in the pageant. Because I remember people saying, girl, you're in the pageant with the uh, big head. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it, but right. I, I wasn't scared of competition, though. Right. And so it's good, like, like, when you don't know, when you go in, like, just really not knowing who are the big wigs and who are the, the big people of the pageant, it's like, it's, I think it's easier. You know, to compete because I don't know them. <laughs> you know, I'm, right. I'm in a competition like them. <laughs> Honey, I was like, my mama, Sasha, I don't see them. Who are they? Right. Okay. Look, and didn't know I was getting ready to get slayed, honey. <laughs> hey, that's you know, hey, that that's all a part of life, you know. Oh, and look at God. you, look, and look at you now, you know. I know. Um, right. So that was basically your first show. So what? So do you remember your first actual show? Like the first time you were on stage and you performed for tips. Yes, um, <laughs> I did a turnabout. Okay. Uh, back in oh, that was maybe twenty oh nine, maybe it hasn't uh-huh. been that long ago. Um, I did a turnabout show, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, girl, you remind me of the old school dragon." Da 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 da. So after that. Um, we had one newcomer pageant here in Chicago, mm-hmm. and that I did that newcomer pageant, and I won that newcomer pageant my first time myself and Leo Demore. And uh-huh. Terry, I remember, I remember y'all talking about that before. Yes, Terry Demore from here, my good girlfriend uh-huh. Terry Demore. Terry Demore is the reason I ever stepped on a stage to perform. She used to have her own show, Thirsty Thursdays, here. Mm-hmm. And Terry had me to perform, and my first song ever performing on stage was Jennifer Hudson's Spotlight. Mm, one of my favorites by her. I did Spotlight, and it just kind of, I was doing shows. A lot of people don't know this. I was doing shows for about two years straight, nonstop, twice a week. Oh, wow. And I did that because Antonio King, my dad, he mm. told me, I always wanted to compete for pageants. But he told me, before you compete for a pageant, do shows for at least a year to get yourself comfortable with the stage and Mm -hmm, people. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that was the best advice I had ever gotten before competing for a pageant. And uh, that is is the, growing up in, you know, growing up as a a young adult in Atlanta, that was a thing. Like, I can remember being in an interview for, Oh, I was sitting in an interview. Was this for this Was this the first year of Black America Junior, or or maybe Black America? Yeah, I think it was like the first year of Black America Junior. And I remember Joe Jackson, God rest his soul, he was one of the judges, and he asked a certain contestant. He said, "Do you do you perform in the city?" And um, the young man said, "No, I, I don't." He said, "Why not?" Because it was his first. It was his first time doing the pageant. Doing the pageant period. Mm-hmm. And Joe said, "Well, why not?" He was like, "Well, you know, I don't." He was like, "You have no excuse." He said, "It's very important for you to go out and do shows and get acclimated to the stage, get comfortable with the stage, as and, and like Antonio told you, and the people, you know." Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, for me, I was kind of like, "Well, maybe you know, there are certain people that I feel that are." strictly pageant people, and there are certain people that are entertainers, and there are certain people that can do both, you know, mm-hmm. very well. You know, at the time, I was like, oh, I can kind of see what it means and that other, but now more than ever, I see it, and I understand it. You have mm-hmm. some people that are so awesome on stage, and they come alive, but not, but when they perform, it's like watching paint dry. 
you know, and so, and, and, and I'm just being honest. I mean, we just, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is what we're in, and, and we see it every day in clubs. So it's very, I mean, even with drag race, you have these girls who know how to compete, but then when you book them, outside of the girls that we know that have done pageants and shows, you get these girls who are very green and new and that have followed via social media and YouTube and all this stuff. Now you put them and you're giving these $1,500 bookings, but they're not entertaining you know, so there is an art and an essence to being able to be an entertainer and a performer. So yes, I appreciate Antonio and Joe Jackson and a lot of the other legends and icons who pass that information on. So I think it's very important that entertainers get out there and perform, you know, and, and, and get on a talent show, you know, and, and do your talent shows. And if you get a spot, do that, whether it's $25 or $50, because if your ultimate goal is to be a national title holder and travel the world, you have to be entertaining. You do. You know? it, it, it was really, it, it really, it was, and it was so much fun because, I mean, what it, and it really taught, and I guess in a sense, doing that, that was my form of newcomer pageantry. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, totally get because it. We, didn't, we didn't have them here. So right. we had to go straight to the big league. And, and doing those shows every week, what it did, it taught me that if something breaks, if an earring falls off on stage, don't frantic. Honey, catch the earring and keep it moving. It's That's those right. little small things that doing shows teaches you what to deal with and how to deal with if mishaps happen. Uh-huh. So, like I said, it was the best advice ever. And by the time I came to Continental Plus, honey, you couldn't tell me nothing. Because I had always told Christian and all of them when I was younger, I used mm-hmm. to always say, my first time going to Continental, I was 16. And when I first saw the pageant, that was the year Paris, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Paris was crowned, I said mm-hmm. to myself, and I told Christian, and I said, I'm going to win that pageant the first time I do it. And mm. they used to look at me like, child, right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, bitch, watch. I'm going to uh-huh. win that pageant the first time I do it. And mind you, I knew nothing about a Continental Plus. Right. Until I went to Martin Elliott's house to get a dress done, and I saw this dress hanging up. And I was like, whose dress is that? That's pretty. He was like, oh, that's Victoria the Page, Miss Continental Plus. And I was like, they got a fat girl pageant to the Continental Pageant? <laughs> and I got so excited, like, oh, bitch, I can go to the fat girls now. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I learned about Continental Plus. Just happened to be at a designer's house and saw a dress he was doing from Victoria's opening, actually. Wow. So so what about your stage name? Like, you know, a lot of times, a lot of entertainers, they go through a lot of rough drafts. You know, they have, like, they start out with this and that, then it's this and that. They got this name, last name, and then finally they come out with the final product. So did you go through a lot of rough draft names, or is Cheyenne until the first and only name? I did not. I had, my first drag name was Charisma Lorraine. Oh, come on, Charisma. <laughs> <laughs> Charisma Lorraine. Uh, okay. My, well, a lot of people don't know this also. Deshaun Black is uh-huh. my actual, that's my actual real-life god brother outside of the gay community. We grew up together as children, so that's my real god brother. Deshaun Black, he lives in Atlanta. That's my real okay. god brother. Yeah. Okay, okay, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, we grew up as kids, families, all that. So Deshaun and I both use the name Lorraine. 
mm-hmm. when we first we that we both did our first pageant together. He did Windy City Mister Universe, and right. I did Windy City Universe. Mm-hmm. And we used Lorraine, and I met Tasha Long. She mm. was working here after she after ninety six. She got hired here at the Baton. Mm-hmm. And I met Tasha Long, and we got to talking. And Tasha Long is actually the first person who adopted me as their gay child. Oh, wow. So I never used the long name because Tasha never, none of her kids used her name. Yeah, she, never, she, was, she was never into that. that she's that never, she's yeah. never been into that. But I was the one child. We just had this discussion the other day on video chat. I was oh, wow. the one child that was going to carry her name at one time, but Tasha ended up moving back out of town from Chicago, and that bond that we started creating, it, it kind of it separated once she moved. Right. So that's, you know, that's kind of how it separated, but we still were very close. So, so that's actually my first gay mother. And, I, and, I, and my next question, believe it or not, was, the, the, I call them the parentals, but in this industry, you know, you know, a lot of people come up with mothers and fathers of the industry, and, and you know, they mold them and you know, bring them up, rear them up, and other kind of stuff. So, um, we know that Sasha Valentino um, was your mother. Um, outside of your first mother that we just figured out was was Tasha Long, uh, but Sasha Valentino, how did that um, quickly? How did that come about? Um, funny thing, I always I always lived for Sasha, and Sasha and I were just really close friends that hung out. And Sasha loved the bunnies, the bunny, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. little bunny boys, right? So the Butch Queens. <laughs> yeah, so all, I hung out with all the sickening Butch Queens back then. So okay. Sasha used to be like, "Girl, bitch, hook me up with the bunnies, honey." So mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. Sasha started hanging out and kicking and going out to eat and stuff. But I wasn't her child. Mm-hmm. I was her good friend. Okay. The first person to actually ask me to be a Valentino was Sasha's sister, Stephanie Valentino, who is okay. my original Valentino mother, actually. Okay. She she was my auntie then. And Sasha and I got really, really close. And one day we were eating at Sasha's house watching Continental Pageants. Mm-hmm. And Sasha called me child of mine. That she always mm-hmm. called me child of mine. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie was like, bitch, that's my child. And Sasha mm-hmm. said, bitch, we share families in this industry, honey. <laughs> so she's mine, bitch, my uh-huh. child. And you know how that was very yeah. Sasha. Right. And we just all fell out laughing. And from that point, I became Sasha's child. But the truth is, and I'm just transparent like this, I always wanted to her to be my mother. I never, mm. I, I, I kind of, I don't want to say used Stephanie because that's not what I did because she asked me, but I knew that was my doorway of getting the name. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then getting even closer to Sasha. Sasha just snatched me up herself, and right. we just got so close to the point where, she became my sole mother for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to go into my long spill of, of, of Sasha Valentino and all that, but I'll say, that, you know, we share the same birthday. We're 10 years apart from each other. She's 71. I'm 81. Um, that was your girl. I already okay, know. Okay. <laughs> that's my girl. And I can remember in 2002, baby, in Atlanta, 
Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I want to say what month was it? Uh, I can. It was August two thousand and two, and we were at the wind mod. The wind. It's so crazy because the the apartment. I'm tell you how how crazy this world is and how life is. But it was called the wind mod at the time. We was in this uh, uh, apartment complex. Me and my my ex at the time, and you know, I used to, we had a Kroger that sat right in front of Kroger, which is a grocery store, right in mm-hmm. front of the complex. And so I would walk, you know, every couple of days I would go to the Kroger, you know, get, you know how you go pick up little stuff. So I would always see her. And she, you know, she had these like little freckles on her face, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And, and I would always see she had a little ponytail in or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> and I used to always say, why is this woman always with this little paw? You know, and that's this is what I used to, you know, I remember <laughs> 2002. So I, this is, you know, this is how I was talking, that's the way we you know. Right. Yeah, I was like, why is she with this, always with this little punk? Why is this girl, you know, you know, with this little, you know, punk all the time? I'm going to tell you who the, who, who the person is, and I love him to death. <laughs> but, and, he, and maybe if he hears this, he's going to fall out. But I was like, why is he, you know, and so they stayed, or, or this person, I think when Sasha would come into town, she would stay with him, and during that time, also Sasha would be on the Monday night show, you know, a few times out of the month. Mm-hmm. So she would come to Atlanta and do the show, and I remember her, when I figured it out, was when I went to the show, and she was doing uh, one of the songs off of Brandy's Full Moon album, and she had the entire costume, and this, that, and other, and I looked at her, and I looked, I said, hold on, wait a minute, she looks familiar, and so the little I'm calling her a punk right now, but he's, but he's not. We know. But the little gay boy, you know, was right there handing her the dollar, and she was, you know, and then she gave all her money to him, right? You know how the girls do. So they handed. I said, hold up, this is the same boy. Okay, so the person who who used to always walk with Sasha Valentino was DJ. Oh. Corey, Corey, Mon. Yeah, Derek. Uh, yes, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> Derek, God. Derek. So Derek was always the, the, the little pump. And I can't say why. So it all, came, it all came together. And I remember my first year at Continental 2005, Marlon is the person who introduced me to, well, not necessarily introduced me to Continental, but he was the first one to, to bring me to Continental live okay. and in person. And um, I remember uh, we were at the, the um, Oh my God, the Hilton Garden Inn on Grand Street in Chicago. Yeah, that was the host hotel. hotel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and the year that she did Mary J. Blige, um, and she ended up getting first runner up to Dominique. Is the is the same year I was actually in her hotel, and I was in awe that I was now like four years later. You know, four or five. Yeah, about four years later, I'm sitting in this woman's uh, this woman's hotel, and she's just talking about you know. Preliminary night and stuff. I'm just like, oh my god, I am here with Sasha. You know, it was just, it's just so crazy. And then to figure out, you know, in in her passing that we had that we shared the same birthday. I'm like, maybe that's why I was just so like into her. I don't know, but um, she was she the was one that real. She was just she was real, real man. Oh yes, and just like you said, the bunnies. People. I remember going that same weekend, going into was it was it called the circus? Uh-huh, yes. Going in there, and, and I, she shocked me because she was there dancing, and baby, she had the boy just bent, or the boy was bent over, and she was, yes. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but I, I, I have to say, anyway, we'll move forward because we have uh, about uh, 25 more minutes, but I just have to say, and, and I want you to say your piece, too, but Sasha Valentino is solely, truly missed, but I see it. And I see it in you, 
and I saw it the night that Sasha won, Miss Continental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like that was just, like it was a win. You know what I'm saying? Like between your your win and Sasha's win was a win for Sasha. You know? Um, yeah. I felt the same way, Misa. Um, you know, Sasha is one of the girls. She didn't have to win Continental. She's going to always be our Continental. Right. That's right. She's, a, she's always, when you think of Continental, the first mm-hmm. person you think about is Sasha. She's not even mm-hmm. a former. Mm-hmm. So it, she's always going to be continental. You know, Sasha, it's funny you said that because when Sasha won, it was so spooky. Mm. It was almost, it was, it, I got yeah. chills watching yeah. because I was like, oh, my God, that looked like, she looked. I yes, yes. spirit come down on her. Yes. I'm glad I wasn't the only one face, thinking like that. Everything. The right yes. face, everything. It was so and, and I know, and I've had this talk with Sasha. Um, you know, I know, I know it's happened often that people compare them a lot. Um, but it was such a beautiful moment, and to think that how odd it was that I got to share this year with her, and it was honestly like being with Sasha. You know, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, Sasha and I clashed in the beginning. Um, that's just honest. You know, a lot yeah. of people know that some people don't because Sasha and I both have strong personalities. But when I tell you it was, it wasn't like a bad clashing, but right. it was families getting to know one another more, mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. Over amongst one another more. And when I tell you now, Sasha and I are like thick as thieves. That's my ace boom I love her dearly. She has changed so much. And I'm just so proud of her growth, and I'm just so happy that people are now giving her a chance to see her growth as well. Oh, most definitely. Most so definitely. I'm so proud of her, and I love her. So I'm, ugh, I want to get emotional. I'm going to miss her so much. Yes, yes. Okay, so let's go, let's go forward. And look, and look, as I say in church, Taya in the program, um, when we talk about Continental, we talked about when you were first introduced to the pageant, um, you took us through that moment. Um, you took us to the first continental pageant you attended as a minor. Um, <laughs> you know, we 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 went through that, uh, and then 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 we talk about, or we should talk about, because I I want you to really. This part is really for the, those contestants. So, when tell us the first year you competed for continental. Um, tell us about that experience. What did what did you learn from competing? What year was that? And then. What was your placement, and what did you learn through that year? My first year competing was 2010. Roxy, I was first runner-up to Roxy Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Angel City Continental now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what did I learn? And, and this is not to sound cocky, but I learned that I could win that pageant. Okay. That's what I learned. I said, oh, I can win this. Now, the question is, will I be allowed to? Mm. Okay. But I knew deep inside that I could win it. And that's what I learned that year. Seriously, that's what I learned that year. Because, like I said, I had been going and educating myself since I was 16. And, you know, being under Sasha 24-7, that's all she lived and breathed. Her cat name was Continental. So that's all she lived and breathed. So I knew the system backwards and forwards from helping people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So 
that night I learned, oh, I can win this and I can be just as good as them. And so that was 20, 2010. You were first runner up to, yep. to uh, Roxy Andrews. So yep. when was the next year you competed? I went back again in 2011, and I was third runner up to Chelsea. Okay. And I set out. 2012, and I went back 2013 and was third runner up to Whitney Page. Maybe, the, and that was the year, that was the year, because I had been going to Continental since 2005, but I had, I never, like, I was like, look, you know, I can only go to this pageant, like, once a year. I can't keep, I can't go to a plus two, you know, and so I finally decided I'm going to go to plus. And I went to plus 2013, and I can remember, I think that I was on the, so if you're looking at the stage at the Park West, I was on the right side prelim night. I was on the left side final night, but I remember um, we didn't know each other at the time, but I remember we were, you were at, we were sitting at the same long table by the runway. I don't know if it was your promoters there or whatever, but I, I, I remember that, but I remember looking, because you, you sung that year, right? Did you sing? I did. I did. Um, well, First night, I did. I actually sang the same talent first night every year I competed in one talent. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, and I thought, so, so I remember that, that that was my, that 2013 was the year I became addicted. And I was like, these plus girls, and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, small girls, I'm sorry who who hears this, but I just felt like, Oh my God! Like they really put on a show. Like you know, not that the girl, the girls are more, you know, during that time, the girls for me, the girls were the more the beauty and the you know the mm-hmm. clothes and the swimsuit mm-hmm. and the gowns and the, and the big girls. It was just like they were so electrifying, like and they were so confident, you know, in their size. And then they had talent too. And then that's when I became, you know, addicted and to you know to to Continental Plus. Um, oh, as nice. far as, you know, a, a spectator. And then I think, like, the next year, the year after that, I, you know, I started, well, the year after that, I started judging Continental, and then 2015, I think I started judging um, the Plus. Right. So, so this, uh, last year, in 2018, um, you had, I know you had, you had gone to, US, did you go to USA twice? I did. I went two years in a row. I set out from Continental Plus four years after mm-hmm. Whitney Page year. What? What what made you what made you want to sit out and go and try USMA? Um, if I could be really candid, as I will be, um, I was over it. Um, okay. I lost faith and respect in the system for a moment. Um, I started second guessing myself. Um, I went through a point where I just sold everything. I was like, you know, I'm done with this passion shit. I'm over it. You know, they're they're never going to crown me. He doesn't like me or this or that. You know, and I said, I want to try something different because I didn't want to become the plus-size Sasha. Because Sasha, Sasha, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. And Mm -hmm. it's so many other systems out there. And I had already done Westland and Duval and Heavenly. So I said, let me go do U.S. Very Large because this, that's another. There's three systems I've always wanted to do of the big systems. That's U.S. and Very Large. Well, actually, it wasn't U.S. Very Large. It was regular U.S. Very I really wanted to do Continental Plus and uh, Get America. <clears throat> and um, I ended up going to Continental Plus. And 
it was just it was a it was a it was a great experience, but I got to the point where I was over it, and I mm-hmm. wanted to go do some other things. And when I went and did USA at Large, I had such a wonderful experience there. And I didn't win the last time I went. <clears throat> and I don't know. Excuse me. And I don't know. Something just said, "Go back." And I talked to Skip. Skip and I have always been very close for many years. I talked to Skip. And after talking to him, I had a sense of relief that now they're ready for me. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I sat out four years and I came back and I won my fourth try. I was looking at parts of the pageant from last year and um, going, and of course I was there, you know, I tell people all the time, yeah, I was there, you know, but I was there working, you know. So you're not, you know, as a judge, you're, you're one way. For me, I'm I'm one way, and I'm into what I'm what I'm here to do. You know what what mm-hmm. I'm called to do. Um. So, but then when you're at a pageant, you're a spectator. You look at things a different way. You know, this and the other. Um. So you know, I I, I I as I start to look back at the pageant now, just kind of looking at it. You know, I I saw you know little things here and there. Your your year, and I, I felt like you were very comfortable. Like during the presentation category, and I can see in the background you and uh, Fanny, you, you know, you talk about Terry. you and Terry. You, I'm, I'm like, they're having a good girlfriend conversation. <laughs> Cheyenne is sitting here. I say, it seems like Cheyenne is saying, girl, it's my lash off. Do you see it? Oh, you oh know, my you think God. Like, you read lips too good, Mike. Oh, I'm good. You know, and then, and then you know, it's, it, was, it was, but I enjoyed that because it was like, you just look like you were comfortable. You know, you sometimes you see the girls and they're just on stage frightened and it look like they're deer in the headlights. And, you know, I understand <laughs> you're under pressure, but I just thought, like, those are just two girls. Like, and then for you to say that, yes, yeah, like, she's the one that put me on the show. Like, and now it all makes sense. You know, oh, that you're a girl. Yeah, yeah you're literally we get like, ready like, together and everything. Yes. And so I, I saw that. And so I always ask this question, like, Okay, so when you're when you're there in, in the top five, you've answered your question. You know, it's five of you. One of you will miss continental plus. What were you thinking after? And I played it in the beginning where they said Avion is second, who is returning, um, and then Layla Larue, who is also returning. So good luck to to both of those ladies and everybody. But um, what were you thinking at Because I know you look to your left and you look to your right. You saw the girls on each side of you. So what were you thinking in that moment? <laughs> well, uh, when they called, okay, I was, I'm just going to run it through to you. When they okay. called out Albion second, uh-huh. I said, all right, come on, bitch, that's sickness. I, in my head, I'm rooting for my girls in my head. I said, come right. on, Albion. So I'm like, oh, shit. Now, the first run-up spot, I said, well, girl, they probably getting ready to get me first, and this going to be it for me. But I gave it. I, I did my best. But, child, if they get me first, bitch, I'm not coming back. This is it for me. I'm done, and I'm mm-hmm. going to get ready for U.S. of Air Large again. All this is running through my head. So then mm-hmm. they say, your first run-up. And if you notice, if you look at the video, I'm sitting there staring. This is what's going through my head. And when they say, your first run up, I closed my eyes because at that point I'm like, oh, shit. So when he mm-hmm. said Layla LaRue, I kind of paused. If you look, it's a pause in me clapping 
Because I'm like, damn, Layla LaRue got first. So then I look to my left, mm-hmm. and I look to my right. And if you notice, I kind of started, I was like, oh, shit, this I think mm-hmm. I won. Because mm-hmm, I, mean, mm-hmm. I just knew because I, I, I watched the pageant backstage while the people right. were ready. I'm looking, I'm driving yeah. up the competition. Right. So in my head, I'm like, okay, okay, that's her. I remember what she did. And I'm thinking back to what I said. Oh, shit. I think I didn't won this pageant. So if you look at me, I'm up there mumbling something to me. I'm saying to myself, oh, shit. Oh, I think I didn't want to. Oh, my God. And I didn't want to be one of those contestants who get excited and don't get their name hey, called. Hey, don't get called. Stupid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Called. I kept thinking, like, this, do not, do not. Hold call it together. Me. Pull it, hold it together. Yes, yeah, that's why I kept rocking because I was trying my best. I was like, oh, but I think I won. And when they called my name, I was like, it didn't hit me right away. And it hit me once I snatched away from ecstasy's hand. Uh-huh. It was like, oh, oh, my God, I won. For real. It, you know, you see people have those moments at the pageant when we're out on the, in the audience looking at it. And sometimes you might say to yourself, oh, girl, she just doing too much or she just being extra. You really don't know how you're going to react until you have that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was I, a real um, moment. That was a that was a that was a night I've judged many pageants, I've judged Continental for um this is my fifth year. Um and I've enjoyed it, you know, continue to enjoy it and I love it and all that. But I can say that this that your year was a year that has not I mean, I don't wanna say it's never well, it, it just was it was you know, Jim complimented the judges like twice, two or three times <laughs> before yeah. he even announced and, you know, he was like, he was like, oh my God, he's like the judges. I guess they got it right. The people, you know, whatever. And so this is before he's even announcing the winner. I'm like, okay, 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 you know. They're like, give it up for the judges. I'm like, okay, yeah, give it up for us. And you know, at this point, it's only like me and Skip on the. Everybody else is on stage, so it's like only me and Skip on sitting down. Uh, I think maybe Kevin. And so then, uh, you know, they announced it and this and the other. And it's something that was so touching. And so, um, I don't want to say warm or whatever, but people were coming up to me as I'm sitting down, still watching your crowning moment. Thank you so very much. You guys did an amazing, awesome job. I'm like, okay, you know. And so many people would, even on the way out, people just kept complimenting and coming, okay, you know, Skip and myself and Dan and everybody. And it just, it, it kind of speaks to what you thought. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they, they just might not give, you know, they just might not give it to me, you know, yeah. this, that, and the other. But I, I, I say this, that where we are in pageantry, you know, we know what, what happens, and I'm not saying continent, I'm just saying the period. In pageants, there have been executive decisions that have happened, you know, yeah. along yeah. the way, early on, this, that, and the other. But we are in a time where we're in a fragile state, where at the end of the day, guess what? Whoever wins that, and, I'm, and that's, I'm a firm believer in that. This is how I live my life. Whoever wins, that's who wins the pageant, okay? And then what you got to do as the owners and promoters, you work out the kinks along the way. You know, you figure mm-hmm. out what, what needs to be done, this, that, and the other. And so I, I, I think that while people probably had that, you know, preconceived notion that, oh, you know, 
she won this pageant, but I don't think they're going to give it to her. And for them <laughs> and, and for you to – I just want to say nobody gave you anything. No, you deserve it. You deserved it. You deserve it. And whoever wins next week, guess what? They're going to deserve it. Whoever wins in September is going to deserve it. You know, and, and that's the kind of attitude. So anybody from from what you've heard Cheyenne say tonight um, and, and the conversation that we've had in relation to her being in her own way sometimes is that I want each of you who can hear my voice and who are coming to Continental Plus and Elite, get out of get out of get out of your head. A lot of those naysayers, those people who doubt you, you you're spending a lot of money. You, your sponsor, promoter, spending a lot of money for you to be able to get on that stage and truly shine. Mm-hmm. So just do just that. Get on stage, shine, be your very best, get out of your way, and let the cards fall where they may because you trust enough in the system because if you didn't, you wouldn't show up. You wouldn't compete. You wouldn't go to the preliminary. So it's something about the system you love and you trust and you know that it's fair and has integrity. So show up and show out. Do not get in your head. Do not let the people get in your head. Mm-hmm. Come into the competition and do exactly what you're supposed to do. So I, I, for me, that was a very, I don't want to say a humbling moment, but it was a very sincere and honest and warming mm-hmm. moment for me to be able to hear that from, you know, not only Jim Flint, the sole proprietor and owner of the pageant, but other people around that they were just really, really happy that, you know, things landed the way that they saw it, you know? And it was, it was, it was, and it, like, and just to piggyback off of that, it was really, that was one of the things that really inspired people that made people really believe in Continental again. Mm-hmm. You know, people, mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is, People lose faith in pageant systems when they feel like things happen that shouldn't. No matter who is continental, you're all systems. And yeah. that restored the belief and the faith in the system because it was so funny. Uh, Mercedes, one of the forms, she came to me, she said, now, girl, the formers and I all said you won the pageant, girl. Now, we, now the question is, we don't know if it's going to happen because, you know, strange things happen. But I just want you to know from us to you, you won tonight, and congratulations. And that right there alone was a very great feeling. And one of the best feelings of the night was to have that love and acceptance from the audience. Yeah. That, that touched me more than anything that night, mm-hmm. to hear the people genuinely I mean, everybody, you know, oh, yeah. happy and hollering and, and it just, that was like, wow. It was like, I felt like the show, they like me. They really, really, really like me. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and as I say, as, as, as a judge, you know, um, is that, you know, oh, what do you like? What do you want? We don't know what we like until we see it. Let's just let's let's that's just it. And that's how I train my girls. They don't like. Yeah. Well, what's the formula? I say it ain't a formula. It's you just have to be the. You know what the category is. You be the very best in that, and we roll with it. You know, be the be, and and that's all that you can do. You know, and so I think you know I'm gonna go to a few other questions because we have like ten minutes left. But okay. Um, because I've enjoyed the conversation most definitely. Uh, you know, we can talk to, to the cows yeah. come home. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's very it's – it, I always um, say this to competitors, no matter what system you're going to, 
Um, because if there wasn't for if it wasn't for pageants and club bars and local clubs, you know, we wouldn't have our entertainers. We wouldn't have people wouldn't have work. I wouldn't be able to be traveling as much as I do and traveling nationally and internationally. So I love it. Is that at the end of the day, you know, research. When they say research, research. And I'm not saying research performers and who won in what year, who got first, and who was in the top five, and what they did for talent. Research and understand where you're going. Understand mm-hmm. the scoring system. Do not be afraid to ask the judges or the owners, what are they looking for for each category, this, that, and the other? What are the judges judging me on, this, that, and the other? Trust me, it helps you. To, it helps you as, prepare for the score sheet, not for the audience. We definitely want you to give excitement and entertainment value to the audience, most definitely. But at the end of the day, you are, you're still being graded or scored against the score sheet. So, you know, I implore and challenge all of you who go out in these, to these competitions, understand where you're going, what they're looking for, the scoring system, what ways, you know, some systems, you know, everything is playing, playing even, everything's even, 1 through 20 of all categories, 1 through 10, mm-hmm. 1 through 15. Then you have some that are up and down, so always know where you're going. So let me ask you um, these last two questions, Cheyenne. Okay. Uh, what is it that you love about being Miss Continental Plus? The opportunity to help people mm-hmm. and to reach out to them. I have always been one of those people that love to help people. And, I, and that's another misconception. People will always take that as you trying to be involved or wanting to be nervous. No, I just like helping people. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. know-it-all like we all are. And I do know mm-hmm. a lot, but I don't know everything. <laughs> but right. I love assisting people, and that's been one of the greatest things this year, being able to really work hand-in-hand with the promoters, um, helping them adjust prize packages, you know, helping Mm -hmm. them with flights. And, you know, it's been so much I've done behind the scenes that I don't even talk about or mention from, Mm -hmm. you know, helping paying girls flights coming here for the national whose promoters might have fell through. You know, it's a lot that was one of the biggest things that I've really enjoyed, just being able to be there for those girls and the promoters. Fill in a boy because you are you are a queen, and while, yes, we love the promos and we love the performances, at the end of the day, you are to be of service to your community. You are to be of service to your customers. Your customers are your representatives from these various preliminaries. And so you are the, the best way that you can be a, a great representative and excel in being that is being able to be there for your representatives, being there for your girls. And trust me, that is, a pre, that is appreciated. It has been, you know, they, everybody has praised you, and I'm going to praise you at the same time. You know, <laughs> thank we, thank you, you for, we, we thank you for that because that is what I believe true queens and kings and representatives should be. It's not just about the crown. It's about the crown and, and, and etching you know, your name in life and in history, but always think about what will be my legacy. For, for me reigning as Miss Continental of the Plus or Miss Continental or Mr. USA or whatever pageant, what will be my legacy? How will people remember me? What will people say about me from my reign? Think about that. And that is what's going to help you be the very best at, you know, being that, rep- that, that excellent representative because you want yes. to have a good legacy or a great legacy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have a bad one. And um, always stay true to you. Always yeah. stay true to who you are. You know, we I hear the ch- I've heard the chatter. Oh, she's too comfortable going to registration. Well, we don't care about that at this point. <laughs> We're gonna move forward. You are the confidence of flood. Yes, that, and that's the point I'm making. Be true to you because at yeah. the end of the day, you got it. 
Mm-hmm. It's yours, mm-hmm. and they can never mm-hmm. take that away from you. So do it That's like right. the song says, do it your way. That's right. What is it that you hope your successor will love and enjoy about their reign once they're, you know, crowned and going through the motions? What is it that you hope for them? I really hope that they take the opportunity to reach out to the people and really get to know and become a liaison to the contestants because I've learned that these girls really a lot of times just need somebody to call and talk to and vent to. Mm-hmm. They just need you to be a listening ear, and I really hope that people open themselves up their minds and their hearts and souls to just be more open and get to know people and allow people into their lives to get to know them and really enjoy it. And, of Most course, traveling. <laughs> of course, yeah. traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because, you know, no one, if anyone knows what they're going through, it's the reigning queen. Hmm. And especially if the reigning queen has had a, a couple runs at the pageant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they know exactly what, what, what you're going through. Um, and so that's very important. So that's why representatives, you know, contestants, they lean on the reigning queen um, as someone that's visible and there because they know you feel my pain. You know what I'm, what I'm going through. And I'm sure you've gone through the same thing, if not worse. You know, and so if they can lean on you, the queen, to be there of any type of assistance, if it's just being a listening ear, I feel that it is, that is important. Um, and my other question is, what is it, because we got four minutes, what is it that you will miss about being this Continental Plus? Oh, oh my God. Um, everything, Micah. The traveling, the working with the promoters, talking mm-hmm. to the contestants, recruiting contestants, recruiting promoters. That was the fun part of bringing all those new promoters in. I really uh-huh. love that. I'm going to miss that because I had some really cool marketing techniques that brought on a lot of new people to the system. And um, I'm going to miss that. You know, mm-hmm. I really enjoy getting to know the promoters. Okay. Really, really enjoy working with the promoters, and I'm going to miss that, Definitely. I'm gonna put. We're gonna play a quick name game. I'm gonna say a name. You're gonna say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh Lord. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Speed round. <laughs> okay. First name: Jim Flint. Honest. Ginger Grant. Mean. Andre Brown. Lovable. Antonio King. Straightforward. Sasha Valentino. First thing came to my mind was my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as you um, as you gear up for this weekend, um, I definitely want to say once again, you know, um, on behalf of the promoters and, and, and Continental, and I'm sure you're going to get many, many praises. Again, we appreciate you for being an, an amazing, exceptional representative. Um, I'm glad that you won the year that you won. Um, wishing you much success as you move forward in your career. I'm sure this is not the end. Um, this is really only the beginning. And whoever ends up getting you as their queen going, you know, going forward in your career will have an exceptional, um, exceptional queen. And just take the things that you've learned through this reign, um, take that and apply that and make it even bigger and better for your next reign. So the last thing I have is um, – what advice are you – what do you want to say to the – really quickly, 30 seconds, what do you want to say to the girls, the young ladies, the grown women that are coming to compete <laughs> Easter weekend in Chicago? Come 
<clears throat> Come, be your very best. Don't hold back. Be true to yourself and have a fun, great time and absorb the opportunity. Learn as much as you can. I got one more for you. Real quick, uh, when it's all over, because we talked about legacy, what does Cheyenne hope her legacy will be in this industry? That I was known to be reachable and I was a person that was approachable, that I was always there to lend a helping hand no matter what. All right. Well, that's it for Miss Cheyenne Valentino. Cheyenne, I want you to hold the line for me. I'm going to play the closing. Um, see everyone in Chicago this weekend for Chicago for Miss Continental Plus and Miss Continental Elite 2019. So hold the line for me, Cheyenne. Well, guys and gals, we have made it to the end of another exciting Continental interview. I want to thank the lovely Cheyenne Valentino, because with all the stuff that she has going on and giving up such a prestigious title, she gave us a little of her time to sit and chat with us and lay it all out on the table. So again, Cheyenne, we thank you. This weekend starts the festivities for Miss Continental Plus and Elite, and I am so excited about it. I am personally wishing all of the ladies safe travel to Chicago this weekend, and remember to leave it all out on the stage. You believed enough of yourself to make it this far, so I say keep believing, because guess what? You too can be Continental. Lorna Bando, who is the reigning Miss Continental Elite, I must say, you've done an amazing job as MCE. And like you said, Miss Continental Elite is not an AARP contest. And if they didn't understand it then, they'll sure understand it now. So I say thank you for being such an amazing representative. Now, before I end tonight's episode, I have to end with a few motivations and reminders for the rest of the week. So here goes. Let's make it happen. Eliminate any doubt. Create a clear vision. Set some big goals. Have a rough plan. Work your butt off. Keep on learning. Always believe. Improve daily and keep on going. And here's some reminders. Believe it to see it. Baby steps still count. The best is yet to come. You'll only fail if you quit. Success requires patience. Trust the timing of your life. Your strength inspires others. And you will always survive your bad days. Now until next time. Everyone be blessed.